Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. Uh, we're going to be looking at a number of passages of Scripture this morning. Uh, this is, if you are new here, we welcome you, uh, letting you know that this is a series of sermons that deal with counseling. Counseling yourself of what the Bible says and also how to reach out and help other people. We've looked at a number of things. One of the main things we've looked at is that the end result of counseling or discipleship or teaching is always one who is mature in Jesus Christ. It is not okay just to fix a problem. Great fixing problems, but the end result should be someone who is stronger in their faith, more mature in their faith, closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. Without that, it's just regular old counseling. We want it to be close to the Lord. Along with that, we've said that you are responsible and accountable for what accountable for what is under your control. This morning, we're going to look at that. We've already looked at two aspects of that. We looked at confession. If you have wronged, offended someone else, you have the responsibility of admitting, acknowledging that you have done that. You say the same thing to them that God says about that sin. By the way, that's also true when you confess all sin to God. Confession simply means to say the same thing, to say the same thing that God says about it. And then forgiveness. That is, dismiss, cancel, and subtract the wrong or the offense that's been done against you. A lot of times we stop there. Those two facts are important. But there is another factor. It's the whole factor of restitution, restoring, or reuniting. We will not cover everything. I will tell you right now that the vast majority of what we will look at is from the Old Testament. Because the Old Testament, under the law, gives various degrees of restoration and uh, reimbursement and uh, all of those types of things. But the New Testament has one main verse in the letters given to the church that takes it above and beyond anything the Old Testament really ever talked about. So with that as a little bit of a background, let's look at just a couple of principles. First of all, sin is always wrong and always requires a payment. If you have been listening, and I hope you were singing the so words of these songs that we sang, it always points to Christ. Everything points to Christ. Why? Because sin required a payment. The payment was paid in full by Jesus Christ about 2,000 years ago on the cross. Without that, everything I'm going to talk about means nothing. Jesus Christ is the one that paid the full, total, and complete penalty for sin. It is a final payment. Everything that God asks us to do, and some of the things we're going to talk about, are very harsh. I will not mince words with that. They're very harsh. But we can do it because of what Christ has already done for us. The second thing is that the idea, and I've had young men look me in the eye and tell me this next one. Now, I didn't, dis I didn't agree with them, and I'll never agree, because I've heard adults do the same thing. It's like, I'm just going to do what I want to do, and 
then if somebody calls me on, I'll just apologize and, and uh, I'll confess it and it'll be all over. So it's easier to apologize than to get permission or to do it right the first time. I totally, 100%, and completely disagree with that. After you listen to the sermon, you will understand that everything you do has consequences. And even if I confess, then what? Because damage may have and probably has already been done. So, if you've offended someone, whether intentionally or unintentionally, you need to deal with that. But if you purposely go in and say, you know what, this may be wrong, this may offend someone, this may be the wrong direction, but I'm going to do it anyway, and if I get called on it, I'll just apologize for it and everything will be okay. That is not how it works. Because it is confess, it is forgive, then what? The Bible is very clear that everything that I do has consequences. Obedience brings blessing. Disobedience brings a curse. By the way, obedience that brings blessing is God is speaking on our behalf. Obedience, disobedience that brings a curse means God speaking against us. And so everything I do has consequences. Remember, rule number one in counseling is I am responsible and accountable for what is under my control. Not what is not under my control. And we'll actually see that when we look at, at this whole concept uh, before us this morning. And justice requires appropriate and equitable restoration um, sometimes it's judicial punishment, sometimes it's personal, but it requires that there is something that needs to be done. We are going to see one prime example from the New Testament, it's still under the law, uh, but we'll see a prime illustration of that that should set our minds straight in how this all works. So, by the way, in the Old Testament, there are two words that have to do with restoration, uh, restitution, repayment, or reconciliation. Uh, and in the New Testament, one word. They all mean essentially the same thing. They have nuances that are different. But they all have the idea of paying back, giving back. All of them have that. And I'm not going to go into a definition this morning. I'm just going to let that stand for what it is because I think you'll understand so, is it enough simply to confess sin? That's where you need to start. Remember, we have uh, talked about that, that we need to confess to God because all sin is against God, but most sin is against someone else. And so we have to confess in two different directions. Forgiveness should always be the end of someone who's offended us. Remember what it said in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. You're giving them a gift that they don't deserve. And that gift is forgiveness. They haven't confessed it. You're forgiving because you've already been forgiven. If, you, if you're a Christian, you've trusted Christ this morning, you've been forgiven. You have nothing, no one has ever offended you or done you wrong more than you've ever done against God. And he's forgiven you for everything. So if he's done that, you have no excuse for not forgiving from the heart. And that's what I call it, forgiveness from the heart. I do need to try to right a wrong. If I've done somebody wrong, you can go, well, I confessed it. I, I told them I was wrong. I admitted it. But 
The Bible will also tell us that we have a responsibility to try to right that wrong. You cannot always do that. I will make that clear. And I, this one just bugs the daylights out of me, I guess. But, well, I take full responsibility. Now, don't think I'm picking on politicians, but actually I am. I've heard them say over and over again over the years, it's like, oh, I take full responsibility for my actions. And then nothing ever happens. Zacchaeus took full responsibility for his actions and something happened. He's going to be our prime example here in a few moments. But let's turn to that passage in the New Testament, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. I hope that you know this passage and I hope that you leave here seeing it in a little bit different way and maybe a stronger way than you've ever seen it before. Because there it says, he who steals must steal no longer. Obviously, if you're a thief, a robber, whatever it is, that you need to stop. I don't care if it's uh, white collar, blue collar, it doesn't matter what it is. Stop stealing. That's the first thing. But it doesn't end there. It doesn't say, oh, and give back what you stole. We're going to see from the Old Testament, that is absolutely what you should do. But the New Testament in the church goes a step further. But he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with one who has need. Notice, it's not okay just to apologize or confess. It's not enough just to give back what you stole. But you need to go above and beyond what has happened. It is amazing when you read the law of Pennsylvania. Uh, I have the Unifying Unified Crimes Code. Uh, Bill Arndt gave it to me years ago when he got a new one. He was a state police uh, officer. He gave it to me. It's very interesting. When you read a lot of the laws, they look very much like the Old Testament law. Why? Because those before us looked at the Bible and said, these are good laws. This is a good way to deal with these things. Uh, we are getting away from some of those things, sadly. But, but it never goes on and says, oh, by the way, you have to give back, pay a fine, whatever. It never says, and then you have to do this. But guess what? Judges today, and I applaud them, they give community service. Ever since we've been in this building, which is now about 24 years, if I got it straight. Right, Mary Beth? Isn't that what you told me? 24 years? Yeah. I can never remember these things. But she's got a daughter that was born the week before, so she remembers. But... We had people, when we were building the church, that had to do community service. We've had people that had to do as many as 40 hours of community service and did them at Garden Chapel. Some teenagers who got in fights in school had to do 12 hours and those kinds of things. But we've been doing that, and sometimes it's a pain in the neck, and sometimes we get some nice things done. But here's the point. It's not just, okay, you did something wrong, but the law, the judges actually recognize this point. I think it's great. I, I'm, I'm all for that kind of thing. Because it reminds people that it's not okay just to do something wrong and get caught and pay your fine or whatever it is. But it's like, no, you've got to go above and beyond. I bet if the judges knew that was a biblical principle, they quit doing it. But I'm glad they do. 
Because the Bible says, if you've done somebody wrong, go above and beyond and help somebody else. That's where the New Testament in the church goes above and beyond. But we're going to get to that one aspect that and one person that tells us a whole lot of things about what this whole idea of restitution has to do with. You know Zacchaeus. He was a tax collector. Nobody liked tax collectors. Uh, he was a short guy, and nothing wrong with short guys, but he couldn't see over the crowd. He crawls up a tree. Jesus looks underneath, uh, walks underneath, looks up, and says, Zacchaeus, you come down. You all know the song. We could break out into that song. You come down for going to your house today, right? And so he says to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. Now, there are a couple of things that you need to know here. I underlined the word if. Because that is an if that means, yes, I have done it. It is a fact. I have defrauded people. If you don't know the circumstances... They were Jewish people who worked for the Roman government, and they were required to hand in so much taxes, but they collected more than what was required, and they kept the rest of it. So he, and we know he's a repentant man, we'll see that at the very end here, but we know he's repentant, and he didn't only simply say, I was wrong. He said, I'm going to make restitution. I am going to repay, and I'm not only going to repay, but I'm going to repay above and beyond. He actually is actually practicing a form of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. He said, I'm going to give half of my possessions to the poor. Now, this guy was probably very rich by this time. He said, you know what? Everything I've stored up, I'm going to give half of it away. I was wrong. I've been defrauding people. And the people that I've defrauded, I'm going to give back four times. You go, where's this four times come from? Well, if you go to Exodus, um, yeah, Exodus chapter 22, you will, uh, 21 and 22 actually, if you go there, someone who stole a large animal, an ox is what it says there, is required to give back five oxen. If a person stole four sheep, he was required to give back four sheep. I believe, I'm not going to be dogmatic here, but I believe Zacchaeus knew exactly what the law said. See, he did defraud a lot of people, but just a little bit from each person. And if it was something big, for example, in our law, we make a distinction between uh, stealing an automobile and shoplifting. That's a bigger thing. In the Old West, at least the old movies I saw, uh, you probably be better off killing a man than stealing his horse because you're probably going to be in big trouble, you know, because it's something very important, very expensive. And so the same thing. And so Zacchaeus is going, I know what the law says. If I stole something small, I need to give back four times. Now, he stole from a lot of people, but from each individual people. And he said, hey, if I've done this, I'm going to give back four times that. I believe he knew exactly what the law was. And he knew that he had taken a little bit from a lot of people. And he was willing to go back four times. But it continues on in that passage to say this. 
And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Now many of us know that last verse. But most of us don't realize it's the context is Zacchaeus. And how do we know Zacchaeus was a believer? Because his life completely changed and he said, wow, I have done wrong. I'm not just going to say, oh, I repent. He did. He changed his mind about what he was doing and who he was and who Jesus was and all of those things. But he showed it by his actions. That's what restitution or restoring things has to do with. You heard me say this so many times. People don't care what you say until they first know you care. A number of years ago, our local tax collector uh, got herself a gambling habit. And for five years, she was skimming off the top. Some of you that live in Lower Swartara know what I'm talking about. And finally, she got caught. And uh, she was fairly old by the time. She was in her 70s by the time she got caught. Uh, She had gambled away a couple hundred thousand dollars, if I understood it correctly. And uh, they said, okay, you're under house arrest. And then they gave her six years of probation. And then they said, oh, and you have to pay back what you stole. And you also have to add to that $5,000 to pay for the audit we had to do to catch you. Um, It's never going to happen because there's no way she's ever going to have that much money. As far as I know, she doesn't have a job anymore and she's old, so old she can't work anymore. But you know what? A tax collector is a tax collector. It doesn't matter. We have a responsibility. If it's under your control, you are responsible for it. And then... We go on because sometimes restitution has to do with unintended circumstances or consequences by negligence. Now, I've dealt with this verse before when we talked about abortion. I'm just going to do it very quickly. We're not talking about abortion today other than in a side issue at the moment. But it says in Exodus chapter 21, and as I said, I encourage you to go home and read Exodus 21 and 22, at least to verse 15, because you're going to see where all of this restitution kind of things start from in the Old Testament. If two men struggle with each other and strike a woman with child so that she gives birth prematurely, yet there is no injury, he shall surely be fined as the woman's husband may demand of him, and he shall pay as the judges decide. Now, it seems here that nobody tried to harm this woman nor her baby. Uh, Under the law, negligence was not capital punishment. Uh, But in this case, both the woman and the child were safe. Uh, She just miscarried ahead of time. Uh, I'm sorry, not miscarried. That would be dead. But she gave birth ahead of time. And uh, the baby was fine. The mom was fine. But there was still restitution to be made if the husband wanted that. And uh, it was somewhat subjective. It doesn't say how much. It just says, as the judges decide. So it would have been taken to the authorities to decide that. It would have been a judicial uh, judgment, and it would have been if the husband decided, you know what, this guy was wrong, he needs to pay for his negligence, Uh, he was fighting with me, and my wife got hurt. Now, it it goes on to say, if there is life, uh, uh, someone dies, the baby or the woman, 
It's life for a life. And he goes on to say uh, what the law says, lex talon, an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. It was in kind to what had happened. That is restitution. We don't normally do that, but notice that in that case, and this is why I always use that when we talk about abortion, is because it wasn't premeditatedly taking the life of the baby or the mother. He was even by negligence, and it still had capital punishment attached to it. It was very serious. Think about that when you think about abortion. Exodus chapter uh, 21, verse 28. No one should gain by unavoidable accidents. They happened. Things beyond your control that you didn't have a thing to do with uh, do happen. For example, and we're going to talk about oxes and sheeps and donkeys and all those things. You can put in cars and anything else you can think of today. Dogs that bite and chew up people, you could put them in very easily when it comes to these things. It says, if an ox gores a man or a woman to death, the ox shall surely be stoned, its flesh shall not be eaten, and the owner of the ox shall go unpunished. In other words, this was not an ox that had been known to be nasty and, uh, you know, going after people and trying to kill them. Um, I grew up on a farm, and occasionally we had bulls. Uh, bulls are never to be trusted. And we had one, was fairly young bull. It was in the pasture, and my dad and my brothers and I um, went to chase them in, and he turned around and looked at us like, go ahead and make me. Well, the farm that we were on that was rented by my dad, the guy who owned it was a blacksmith. And when you think of the old-type blacksmith, this was that guy. I mean, he could chew horses. He could take a sledgehammer in one hand. You know, he was one of them kind of guys. And he was there. He goes, okay, let me in there. He, he took a board about this long, and he walked right up to the bull, and boom, right over the head. You know what? We didn't have any trouble after that. But you know what? That bull had never charged anybody. But if it would have, uh, that, and he would have hurt somebody, we'd be in trouble. We're going to see that. But if it, he would have gotten hurt, it wouldn't have been our fault. He made that choice. It was unavoidable. But nobody was to gain from that kind of thing. In other words, an incident that was unavailable, no one is to try to get rich. Think about suing people. I cannot give you all the nuances of this, but think about a lot of those things as we go through this. Known and avoidable circumstances, on the other hand, are a different issue. For example, another ox. Notice the small words. If. However, the, an ox was previously in the habit of goring people. His owner has been warned, and he doesn't confine it, and it kills someone. The ox will be stoned, and the owner is personally responsible for that. It's kind of like gun laws today where it says, you know, if you're a responsible gun owner and you let it lay around and some kid picks it up, you're responsible. Same kinds of things that go with this. When you take this, that's why I always tried to figure out why do lawyers have to go to school so long? And why was it really important that the, the rabbis and guys like the Apostle Paul studied and studied and studied the Old Testament law? Because the nuances of these things are far, far reaching. I am not attempting 
to take each one of these and say this is how it should apply to us. Just saying, the overall principles are you are responsible and accountable for what's under your control. If you've wronged somebody, you have a responsibility to take care of that as best possible. Now, there are also intentional and unintentional unintentional uh, offenses. First of all, unintentional offenses toward God. If a person acts unfaithfully and sins unintentionally against the Lord's holy things, he shall bring his guilt offering to the Lord, a ram without defect of the flock for a guilt offering. Then he shall make restitution and he shall add a fifth part to it and give it to the priest. I'm not going to go into the details. Here's what it comes down to. This person did not purposely go out and sin against God. When it says against the holy things of the Lord, I don't know exactly what that means. Maybe he said something negative about the priest, or maybe he said something negative about the, the tabernacle or, or the temple or one of those things. I just simply don't know what it is because it doesn't tell us. But he didn't purposely go, hey, I'm going to you know, blaspheme against God. He did it. And he still has to pay. There's still a reimbursement that needs to be made, an offering that needs to be brought. But also, it may be unintentional against other people. He does something that offends or in some way harms another person, but didn't intend it to be that way. It says he also has to bring that ram of the guilt offering. And he has to bring it and offer it for an atonement that his sins would be forgiven. Notice, it adds that element. He has done something, and for a total bringing it to an end requires some restitution. I hope you're catching what the Bible is saying. But I've had people say, well, you know what? There is no remedy in the Bible for intentional sin. You've heard me preach before. I believe most sin is not I fell into sin. Most sin is I thought my way into sin. I think I can get away with this. I can skirt this issue. I can, you know, get away with it and I won't have to pay. Most sin, I believe, is that way. We think our way into sin. Well, guess what? Christ, when he died on the cross, did not pay for just unintentional sin. He paid for the sins of the whole world, and he paid for all of them. That's where we come back to. I started there, and I'm coming back to it again. Christ is the answer. Without Christ, this this is overwhelming, just totally, completely overwhelming. But when we look at what Christ has done for us, we can understand why God gave us these rules. Because there is a remedy. The remedy is you had to deal with it. What did you have to do? It says if the person sins and acts unfaithfully against the Lord and deceives his companion. So remember, all sin is ultimately against God. Most sin is also against another person. And that's what this is saying. In regard to a deposit or a security entrusted to him or through robbery or if he is extorted from his companion, or he found what was lost and lied about it. In other words, he found something that belonged to somebody else and didn't take it back. If you want to know uh, what got me interested before I was a Christian, I started reading the book of Proverbs and realized, whoa, the Bible is practical. 
You get to the law, it's practical. If you find something, what is your responsibility? Try to find the owner. That's all it's saying. Again, I'm not trying to give all the details you can. But he sworn and and he swore falsely. He told a lie. He, He swore falsely. He shall restore what he took and make restitution for it in full and add a fifth more. And then he should also, and on top of that, he needs to go to the temple and he needs to offer the guilt offering. Why? Restitution to the person he defrauded in some way. And he also sinned against God. Has to go both directions. Now, sometimes there are unavoidable issues that happen between parties and there's some kind of an equitable settlement. You know what I believe. I know what I taught a few weeks ago is what you don't do is go to court. That's the last thing you want to do. You want to deal with it between two people. Lowest possible level. He even said if you're going to court, go to your brother. Try to be reconciled to your brother before you get there. Because when you go to court, you're one little tiny tooth in a big gear in a tall, uh, really big machine. It doesn't, you don't want to go there. Get it dealt with at the lowest possible level. That's the same thing with uh, restitution. If one man's ox hurts another so that it dies, then they shall sell the live ox, divide its price equally, and they shall divide the dead ox. So they sell it, they both divide it, and the other one, they both get hamburgers and, you know, uh, some steaks out of it, and uh, they move on. They deal with it at the lowest possible level. Think about this. Whenever you're dealing with people, it doesn't matter what it is, you try your best with God's help to deal with it between two people. That is the best way to deal with it. Uh, You can deal with it other ways, but it's going to get ugly most likely very quickly. Restitution is not always a matter of equity uh, for restoration. But there may be additional compensation. In fact, is in Exodus chapter 22, where I've encouraged you to read. I'm just going to look at a few of these because I'm going to run out of time real quick here. But it says, if a man steals an ox or a sheep and slaughters or sells it. Now notice, you're going to look and say, there are contradictions in the law. There are no contradictions in the law. But if you don't read all the words and see exactly what it says, because here's a guy who stole the ox or stole the sheep, he slaughtered it, or he sells it. He is either trying to gain from it additionally, or trying to get rid of the evidence, or cover it up. Whatever he's trying to do, we don't know exactly, because it doesn't tell us. He says, you pay back five for the oxen and four for the sheep. You need to pay it back. Because you went a step further. Later on, and I'm not sure if it's the next, yeah, it's going to be the next one after this. We'll see that if you take it, you still have it, you have to pay back double. Because you have to make restitution. That's not simply reimbursement. That's part of it. But restitution can go above and beyond that. And that's what the Old Testament is saying. And remember, the New Testament doesn't stop there. It says, now you go on to help somebody else. That's what Zacchaeus did. That's why Zacchaeus is our 
great story to tell, tell your children when they're young, and it's a great story for adults. Because you look at it and say, wow, my life, what I say I believe, should show up in how I act and how I interact with other people. Restitution, it may not always be possible under some circumstances. Now, I've preached on this verse before, uh, but it's been a long time. But it says, if a thief is caught while breaking in and is struck so that he dies, there is no blood guiltness on his account. In other words, uh, this is at nighttime. How do I know that? Because the next verse, the context says, but if, notice the small words again, the sun is risen on him, there will be blood guiltness on his account. Let me give you the bottom line of this. They didn't have night lights. If you lived in my house, you can walk through my whole house without stumbling because my wife thinks light bulbs are decor. Okay, go by our house sometime and you'll see all the lights are on. The windows have candles in them and I mean, that's just my wife and you know what? I live with it. It's good. I don't stumble over things. But in those days, they didn't have that and you didn't leave a candle or a lamp lit all night long. So if somebody breaks in your house in the middle of the night, you don't know if they came to murder you or to, to, to steal from you. You don't know. And if you protect yourself and you protect your house, you're not guilty. Yes, that, it is okay to protect you and yours. That is a biblical concept. But it says if the sun is risen, somebody's robbing you, give them whatever they want. Because now you know who they are and you take it to the authorities and you deal with it. That's the principle. There's more to it than that, but that's the principle. But you know what? It goes on to say, he shall surely make restitution. That is the thief. He got caught. He'll make restitution. If he owns nothing, he is sold for his theft. Yeah, God takes these things like restitution. He takes them seriously. He says, you know what? If you can't pay, you have to sell yourself. You have an obligation, just like that lady. uh, She had an obligation to pay back what she took as a tax collector. She had an obligation. Whether she can actually ever pay it back or not, that's probably never going to happen because I don't think she has a means to do that. She had already gambled away all her money. But it says, but if it's found alive in his possession, whether it's an ox or a donkey or a sheep, notice they didn't slay it or they didn't sell it. He says, you... You give it back, but you have to give double. And if you can't give double, you just became someone else's slave until you pay the bill. Wow. If you think that this is just some fluffy stuff and this is just nice religious talk to forgive and forget and confess and it's all taken care of, you're partly right, but you're not wholly right. Because God says we need to be responsible people. Yeah, we need to be responsible. And it doesn't have to be the law caught us and now we're going to go through the judicial system. No, it's even before that. If you know you've done wrong, you have a responsibility to go to that other person and get it straightened out as much as possible. The Bible is very practical. There's a lot more in Exodus chapter 22. I encourage you to read it because there's a lot more principles there. But we're not going to get into them this morning. But we've caught, I hope you've caught the main idea. Is that we need absolutely to be responsible people. Think before you act. 
Don't simply go do something and say, well, maybe, if, maybe I'll get caught, maybe I won't. That's thinking your way into sin. So it's, no, you're guilty before God, and you're also guilty before that person. And it's not just, oh, if I get caught, I'll just give it back. If you notice, in those cases, it's giving back and then some. Sin has a very high price. And it absolutely does. And we have a responsibility of dealing with that high price. Christ, praise the Lord, has dealt with the ultimate price. If you've trusted Him, and if you haven't, you need to. Because He's forgiven you, and your eternity is sure. But we have responsibility, and our lives are to be lights among those we live. And yes, even above and beyond, to give to those who don't have. Let's all stand together. Father, we've looked at some really tough things this morning. As we look at our lives, we realize that all of us have offended others. We have all, in one way or the other, ripped somebody off in some way. Pray that we would be mindful to think before we act, and absolutely not act in a sinful, wrong manner. But also, if we have, that not only do we need to confess that, but we need to do what we can do to right that wrong. Lord, thank you for your word. It's so practical. And I pray that we will live that way so that our testimony shines brightly. That we would be Zacchaeus. We never hear another negative word about this guy because he obviously probably carried out exactly what he said he was going to do. And I pray that we would have that same kind of reputation. Lord, thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless. Go with God.